Hey guys, welcome back to the Axiom Media Podcast. I think this is episode four, it might be five, uh, but I think it's episode four. Today we're going to be talking about EQ. So what it is, why we're going to use it, how it's going to help you get a really professional sounding mix, and how it applies to the physical environment. So we're going to start out with what is EQ. And EQ is really just manipulating the tonality of different instruments or voices or whatever input is coming in. So you have things, uh, say you're listening to your radio and you're like, wow, this has a lot of low end. I really like how much bass there is in the song. Well, if you have a bass guitar that's coming into your, uh, into your soundboard and it doesn't have enough low end, you can use EQ to replicate how much bass it was that you liked in the first place from that recorded song. So you can turn up some of those low frequencies. That's what EQ is. It's controlling the frequencies within an input. It's based off of the audible range of hearing, which is from 20 hertz to 20 kilohertz. You have different ranges. So like 20 hertz to 100 hertz is generally considered uh, the low, low frequencies. You have like 20 to 50 is considered sub-low, and then 50 to... Uh, maybe 250 is considered low. Uh, you start to be able to shift from 20 hertz to 50 hertz where it's just kind of a feeling. It's, that's the part that shakes your your chest, shakes your, your face sometimes. And then you move up and you start to be able to detect it with your eardrums. So as you start to get up past 50 hertz, you can start to actually hear what, what like 70 hertz sounds like and not just feel it. You still feel it as it starts to come up, but it starts to shift from feeling and just shaking things to actually uh, registering within your eardrum. Then you get up and you get higher and you get like 400 hertz and you get this like lower mid-range. And then you have the mid-range, which is maybe 800 hertz to uh, 1 or 2 kilohertz. And then you have the upper ridge mid-range, which is uh, 2 kilohertz to maybe 5 kilohertz. And then the highs, which is maybe five kilohertz all the way up. And everyone kind of defines these ranges in whatever way they make sense to them. Um, there's not necessarily a standard. This is a low mid frequency. It's just kind of an approximation of where these different frequencies live. So EQ is measured in dB and the dB is decibels is just the attenuation. So how much we're cutting or we're adding to a certain frequency. And that's important to know when you're actually taking and controlling the EQ of an input. So there are three different types of EQs. The most basic you're going to see is on a small analog, uh, analog mixer. It may only have up to 10 inputs, and you're going to see the high EQ, the mid, and the low. And what this is, is it just gives you the ability to boost or reduce what they are defining as high frequency, mid frequency, or low frequency. You don't get to choose what frequency it is. You don't get to control how much, how many frequencies around that area it's going to affect. You just have those three. So that's the most basic. You can still do some stuff with it. You can still apply these principles, but you don't have near as much control. And if you're very trained with your ears and you can pick out things, it can become frustrating using this fixed band EQ, it's what it's called, um, to try and problem solve or to help shape an instrument tonally because you're not able to tighten up and hone in on the frequencies that you're hearing. The next type of EQ is the semi-parametric EQ. This one will give you the plus or minus dB, so you're going to get to add or reduce 
how much of this frequency there is. You get the control of the frequency. So you can choose, say, you can choose to reduce 400 hertz and what's around it by, say, 3 dB. Now, you don't get to control how many frequencies around it is. There's, this is a semi-parametric, so you don't get to actually control the width or the octave is what it's called. And you call it the octave because um, you're controlling how many octaves are affected um, within that EQ. And that makes sense if you're into music and stuff. If you're a musician, you'll understand that. Um, so then we have the fully parametric EQ. That's the final one. This one is a, you get full control of how loud or how quiet you're going to add or reduce these frequencies. You get to control what frequency that you're going to start reducing or adding at, and you get to control the width or the octave. So you get to control how many frequencies are affected. So this is the most versatile. This one can also be difficult if you don't know what you're doing because you'll just start playing around with different things and you don't know exactly what you're hearing and how to choose what to do with it. So this is definitely the most powerful form of EQ, but it is also the uh, one that can get you into the most trouble. Now, if you're taking notes, there are other types of EQs out there. You have, uh, you have the graphic EQ and you have um, just other different spinoffs of uh, things you can have the um, uh, you can have a version of a compressor and an EQ combined. And we'll, we'll talk about compressors later, but these three EQs, the fixed, the semi-parametric, and the fully parametric, are the most common you're going to see these days on a soundboard. You might see graphic EQs uh, as an outboard gear, and that might control monitors and stuff. But these are the three most important to get a grasp of when you're starting to learn to mix. So let's talk about what you should be doing to EQ properly. Now the general guideline is that you're going to have a tight width or octave as you cut things. So if you say you're hearing the bass guitar and it's a little muddy and you're wanting to clean that up and maybe it's muddy around 100 to 150 hertz. So you might take a little just tight uh, one or two um, multiple octave filter and you might just cut right down uh, from 150 to say 200. You nail that frequency right at 175 and you cut and it starts cutting around 150. It comes down at, at peaks at uh, cutting the 3 dB at 175 and then it comes back up and it's back to not affecting anything after 200. So that would be considered a tight width. And generally you want to cut tight and you want to boost wide. And this is a pretty good general rule of thumb. As always, there's times and places to break these rules. You know, whenever you start to get used to how EQs are, affect things and how things work, um, don't take these as hard rules. Start playing with it and see what you can come up with and how you think uh, certain things should sound. For me, I generally stay with this rule, but a lot of times I'm cutting wide these days because I'm making huge tone adjustments to instruments. I'm not just fixing the muddiness of a bass guitar. I'm actually changing the tone of the bass guitar so it can fit better in the mix that I have in my head. But generally, you want to start off with doing tight cuts and wide boost. Now, 
let's talk about different types of EQ filters. You have the you have that parametric band. It's what it's called. It's uh, that one point that you get to control how wide it is, how much you're reducing or adding, and what frequency it's at. You also have different things called a high-pass filter. A high-pass filter allows you to cut out all of the lows starting from a certain point. So this can really clean up, say, a vocal. Say vocals, like my voice here. Uh, let's see where I have my EQ. Let's go. And I have the EQ set um, with a high-pass filter at 158 hertz. Now, if I roll that off, it's really going to accentuate the low end of my voice because I'm cutting this out with the high-pass filter. It's really, um, imagine just a, a diagonal line starting from down to the left and going up to the right, and it's just filtering out all of these frequencies. So this is a very powerful filter. It helps clean up a lot of voices and a lot of instruments that don't need to be living all the way down in the low or sub-low frequencies. And it's a really great tool that you need to start learning how to use. It may even be the most valuable EQ filter that you're going to use. There are many people who will start with a high-pass filter and then do everything else with microphone placement on the stage, and they don't have to EQ much at all. So high-pass filters are very important. Get used to using them, love them, practice with them, and work hard to figure out how to use them well. Sometimes they are also called low-cut filters, so keep that in mind. And think logically about this. A high-pass filter is letting the highs pass through, but it's also cutting the lows if you use the inverse logic. So it might be called a low-cut filter on certain consoles. Now, the reverse of this is the low-pass filter. So this is letting low frequencies pass through, and it can also be called a high cut because it's going to be cutting high frequencies. This is really useful on things like maybe a, a piano that's uh, a live piano that's picking up too much cymbal noise or an electric guitar that is a little, uh, it's just thin sounding. You can use this and really bring in uh, and focus the sound in towards the mid range or uh, cut out some of the shrill sounds that come in the very high frequencies. So play around with this as well and keep that in mind. Now you have different versions of this called, uh, say, the low shelf. The low shelf isn't a high pass filter or a low cut. It's actually just, think of it as a shelf. You have just a bunch of frequencies that you're going to reduce at a certain level. It's not going to be a, like a, a curve. It's just going to be a straight line and then it's going to come up and then it's going to be the regular EQ and you can play with that on um, on your console or look up pictures of these different filters because it will make a lot more sense if you look at pictures um, and then the other version of that is the high shelf which is doing it for the upper range for the highs so you can say a high shelf at five kilohertz and you can boost everything above five kilohertz evenly and then it will come back to normal below five kilohertz. So that's the basics of EQ. Um, real quick, let's just run through some basic vocal and uh, vocal snare, bass, and electric EQ moves that I would do. So for vocals, I'm usually going to start with a high pass filter at 120 hertz. That's almost always what I'm going to do. Then I'm going to clean up the mid range and some of those uh, low mid frequencies with. Uh, cut maybe around 
um, 300 and maybe another at 500. This is going to be a pretty tight filter. It's not going to be super wide. Um, it may it may widen up depending on how much low mid or how much mud there is down there. But these two cuts are really what's going to give me the clarity in my voice. So I'm actually cutting out the muddy frequencies, so I leave some of the upper mids and the high frequencies normal, and that is what is going to give me clarity on vocals. I'm not going to do um, a high cut usually or a low pass filter. I'm usually going to leave it open all the way to the top. Unless I'm getting some really high frequency feedback, I might engage that, but it really, um, that's where a lot of the air frequencies are. It gives the vocal breath. It gives, um, it really is the breath of a vocal is lives up in those high frequencies. For a snare drum, I'm going to high pass probably to 120 hertz. I may have a little boost at 140 hertz, or I may have a little cut. It depends on the snare. If it's a deeper sounding snare, I may cut it. If it's a thinner sounding snare, I'm probably going to boost 140 hertz pretty aggressively because I like that deep, um, that deep tight snare sound that you hear on a lot of um, a lot of modern mixes these days. So I'll do that. I may uh, also end up boosting around two to four kilohertz or even do a high shelf at say five kilohertz. And I'm really going to be accentuating some of that crack of the snare because that's a, the key, uh, that's the key thing that you grab onto when you hear a snare is the, it's that real high aggressive sound. It's the thing that is distinct from the toms. It's what gives the snare its unique sound. Um, next is bass. Bass, I'm actually going to probably use a high-pass filter on bass. Now, that might may seem counterintuitive because the bass is the low-frequency instrument. Why would you be cutting the low frequencies? Um, and the reason is it, gets kind, it can get kind of muddy down there. You don't want it to be too aggressive. So I may do a high-pass filter to 30 hertz, maybe 40 hertz. I don't want the bass to be aggressively low unless the song calls for it. And then I'm probably going to end up with a cut around 200 hertz and maybe 100. Now, these are two, um, two problem areas I see in many bass guitars. They get kind of muddy and indistinct. And it can also be solved by maybe a boost around 400 hertz. And this really just depends on who's playing, what the guitar is, what the pickups are. But these are the general EQ moves that I end up doing. So I may boost 400 hertz to get some clarity back out of the bass, cut 100 hertz, cut 200 hertz, and then have a high pass filter up to maybe 40 hertz. And that's probably going to be my bass guitar. And keep in mind, when I say I'm cutting 100 and cutting 200, I'm being very... Um, conservative with this. This might be 3 dB. If it's aggressive, it's going to be maybe 6 dB, but I'm not doing much more than 6 dB of reduction on my bass, especially in these small moves. Um, the final thing is going to be electric. Electric, I'm going to high pass probably up to 150 hertz. This is going to cut out some of those low rumbly frequencies, keep it away from the bass range. Um, I'm probably also going to either use a low shelf or use a pretty wide um, a wide parametric EQ band to cut around maybe 300 hertz to really bring out, bring down some of those uh, low to low mid frequencies of the guitar and let it scream a little bit up top. Um, 
Now, while I say let it scream a little bit, the one other thing I'm going to do is do a pretty sharp cut around 2 to 2.5 two, two to 2 or 3 kilohertz. Now, these are the, the frequency range, and it depends on what speakers you have, but this is the general frequencies I run into that are the most piercing on different sound systems. So I'm going to be cutting a little bit of that to allow the guitar to sound like it's screaming, but to not actually hurt my ears or hurt the audience's ears. I want to make sure that the guitar has clarity and has power, but I don't want it to hurt. So I may do that. And the other thing I may do for the electric to help with that is do a low pass filter, and that will really tighten up the sound of the electric guitar. So sometimes you may have a guitar that sounds just shrill and it's not really powerful sounding. And a lot of times doing a low pass filter down to maybe five kilohertz and getting it out of those higher frequencies will allow it to focus that energy down in the low mid. You can push the volume a little bit more and suddenly you have a lot more power out of the electric guitar. So that's what I do on those four basic instruments. Of course, there's a ton of different things that people do. I'm not saying my way is the right way. There's a lot of great mixers that do things differently than I do. Um, but that's the general rule that I go by whenever I'm touring or whenever I'm mixing at churches or um, I'm doing a quick festival and I need EQs real fast. Those are the four, uh, four of the EQs that I start with. Uh, of course, I have different baselines for keyboards and etc. Et but um, those are the four main instruments that I'm looking into on making sure that those EQs are right, right off the bat, especially if I don't have much time. So that concludes our episode on EQ. I hope that made sense about everything. If you guys have questions, please let me know, and I will be sure to answer them in an upcoming episode. Uh, thank you guys for listening, and I hope that was helpful. And next time, I think we will be talking about compressors. Um, and if we're not, we're talking about something else. But next time, join me, and we're going to have a great time there as well. So have a great day, guys, and I'll talk to you later.